when I got to the hotel, they were getting ready to take me out that night to have dinner, and I told them I need to take a knee. What's going on, Refill Team Fairchild? As you guys know, the whole point of this podcast is just to help bring our community together. I've broken it down into simple things. We're just going to hack it out. We'll talk about humor and humility, accountability, connectiveness, and also kindness, and what other strings for our bows our guests have to bring to the table, because that's how we make that beautiful music. So let's go ahead and get this episode started. Refill Team Fairchild. Today I am here with 18th Air Force Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Chad Bickley. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. How was your flight in? I saw it was a pretty late flight. It was pretty late. It got delayed. God bless our air travel system. But I was telling your command chief, Chief Guzman, that when I got on the plane, I had a very long day. I was sitting on a plane, felt a little sorry for myself because it was a long night. And then I had an airman, Airman Doss, who just got back from a deployment and was sitting on the same row as me. Started talking to him and it got me all fired up. Airman, I love, I, Airman Doss. Airman Doss from LRS? Airman Doss from LRS. That's Airman actually one of Sergeant Clay's Airman. Yeah. They were coming back from downrange. That's what gets me motivated. That's what gets me up in the day is our Airman. I love our Airman. So awesome. Very, very fired up to sit with Doss. And so, yeah, glad to be here. Last time I visited Fairchild was my first time here. And I, okay. I love this space. I love what we're doing here. I love the local community. And I just don't tell people things to make them feel good about their self. I speak from the heart, and I really, really like what we have here at Team Fairchild. You guys are doing great things. So thanks for having me. Yeah, today. we're so happy to have you. Can you just tell us a little bit about your backstory? I think we're at Milton Hall at the same time, briefly, but I know you've been quite a few other places. Yes, yes. So I, I came in in 1993, December of 93. I had just turned 18. Uh, came from a very small town, not a lot there. Decided I wanted to be in the military, watched a video on security forces at the recruiter office. It was an individual guarding an aircraft in the rain and snow, and I wanted to do that. And so uh, Ben uh, was a defender for, still am a defender at heart for about 18 years. I was an MTI for five years. Talk about a rewarding job as an MTI to be able to put our airmen from our, our nation's treasure our sons and daughters to train them and see how see how their dedication and drive is was awesome and also this is my fourth tour as a command chief i spent a year in iraq that was sort of my highlight as a command chief in iraq we built a wing there got a rare opportunity to serve on a cocom down centcom learned a lot centcom has been at war for a long time so to, to to see them in action for a year and a half was great and now i'm at 18th air force I, I love the Air Force. I owe a lot to the Air Force. They took this country boy from nowhere and what I have today. Uh, I am very, very grateful for the Air Force. And Square D, we were there together at Square D. That's where I met my boss now, General Bibb. He was a wing commander yes, there. Yes, yes. Was able to get back with him. And I just, I, I love the Air Force. Is it a perfect Air Force? No, but it's the best Air Force in the world. And I am just truly honored and grateful and blessed. And I tell you, I, I owe a lot, lot to this Air Force. And that's why I get up every day is to pay it back because it's taking good care of me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into some of the questions. What kind of motivates you? You said a couple of things already. Airman Doss's story about coming back from his deployment. What else gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, I, I, I really think it's two things. I think it's the airman, right? I, it is powerful to be in a profession of arms where you raise your hand and say, I will defend this country with my life. And I take, think it was the MTI 
stint that really got me to the point of the where I really grasped it. When I saw parents, sisters, brothers, husbands and wives, when I saw the, the look in their face when their airmen marched down the bomb run meant a lot to me. And I took that MTI job very seriously because our nation is entrusting us to take care of their airmen. True. Right? And, and I give this example, like when I was the command chief in Iraq, we had airmen come down range, you know, one of, the, one of our locations at KLZ and, and, and ponchos in December. 20 degrees, and that was our cold weather gear, and that just fires me up. We owe our airmen better than that. We owe our families better than that. So that's why it just that is what gets me up in the morning, literally, is the opportunity to advocate for our airmen. Our airmen are busting their butts, so that's number one. Number two is my family, right? Uh, I want to be able to you know provide them a stable life. I think we got problems in the U.S., but we are a very blessed nation compared to a lot of things I've seen downrange. Uh, so they get me up every morning, and I want to uh, continue to contribute to this great nation that allows them to have the freedoms so they can get up every day and don't have to worry about a rocket coming into them. Right? They don't have to worry about where their next food is. You know, they got a good school to go to. So I think that our airmen and family really drive me hard. Yes, sir. So now that we know what motivates you, how do you translate into leadership style? I'm a big lead from the front type person. So my first base was uh, Pope. When that was an, uh, a long time ago, a wing. As a matter of fact, it's getting ready to come back as a wing. Nice. The 82nd Airborne, let me back up a little bit. Fort Bragg surrounds Pope. Yes, sir. It's home of the 82nd Airborne, 18th Air Corps. And they are the premier, I think, organization of lead from the front. Their officers are first out of the plane on jumps, and there's a statue there. It's called Iron Mike that shows an individual with his hand going forward. It says, follow me, and that just really inspired me. Uh, I can't ask an airman to do something I'm not willing to do. Sure. Uh, and, and I think we have that at times. We're telling our airmen to do things. We're telling our airmen to deploy, but we can't deploy. We're telling our airmen to pass PT test. We can't pass PT test. So I'm a big lead from the front. I'm also very transparent. Right. I think our airmen deserve to get transparent answers. They don't deserve to be jerked around or, you know. And our airmen appreciate transparency. I've found several instances where, you know, airmen may say, hey, chief, you know, I didn't appreciate the outcome of it, but I appreciate your transparency. And I, I really think that drives me to just be honest with our airmen. They deserve better, right? So really leading from the front is really the pillar of my leadership, not asking airmen to do things I'm not willing to do myself. I'm going to kind of spin off of that. You say transparency a lot. With transparency, unfortunately, sometimes comes the critical feedback we don't want to hear or the personal feedback that they give us. How do you handle that? Feedback is tough. Yes. But I will also tell you feedback is a cornerstone of supervision. I remember I used to tell in the old school days when we have an EPR that was a one, two, three, four, and five, I'd tell people, hey, you know, if an individual has been given feedback, and I told the individual throughout their feedback, hey, you may be getting a four on this EPR because of this, 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 and this. And I continued that feedback process. At the end, when they got a four, may not have been happy with it, but they knew it was coming and they were more receptive. Sure. So uh, feedback is uh, vital. I think we don't do enough. I don't think we uh, get the up feedback. It's tough for members to provide feedback to their bosses. I think you have to have a little bit of humble pie if we're giving feedback to our airmen, obviously there's a respectful way to, yes, if I give feedback to General Bibb, I'm probably going to give him that feedback behind closed doors. Sure. Right? But I think, you know, I think the more that we can show as 
leaders that we're able to accept feedback. Our airmen will see that we're all in. We got to have feedback with our airmen because here's the deal. We got to have tough conversations. If I'm a chief master sergeant and can't have a tough conversation with the airmen, it's probably time for me to to seal it up. So as leaders, the buck stops with us, and we got to be able to carry that message, both good and bad. But you can catch a lot more flies with a bucket full of honey than you can a bucket full of crap. Sure. So it's how you present it, I think, goes a long way. Thank you. As far as your development and professional development, I actually got this Air Power Leadership Academy. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to kind of hear about it. We have it here at Fairchild, and so I think we're the only ones currently in AMC that have the class going on. Um, give you time to you can take that pamphlet with you, of course. Great, thanks. But professional development, how do you feel about? I know we got our PME. What type of professional development do you kind of feel our airmen need? Well, I'm a big fan of professional development, and sometimes professional development in my book is not always in a classroom. Sure. A lot of my professional development was earned on appointments. I know you were sure. looking at my bio. I'm not a bio type person to say, hey, look at my bio, but I spent a lot of time downrange. And I think a lot of my development was through just my day-to-day encounters, sure. right? Which has developed me to the point now, I mean, take a look at the CENTCOM job, how that developed me. Now, was that a class? No, but that was an opportunity that was provided to me. And then I got to see a COCOM, how they operated, what they did, and what they didn't do. So I'm a firm believer. I, I'm a big fan of anything joint. I think uh, the SEAC and the SIMSAF are really pushing us in the right direction on jointness because our next battle will be joint. Yes, sir. We can't do it without our joint partners. And to be honest, we can't do it without our allies as well. But you can't click your way to jointness, right? I think we're doing a good job looking at some of our joint professional military education and CBTs and stuff. But I learned joint by being joint. So one of our bases is at McCord. Uh, they're with the First Corps, I Corps, and I'm always pushing that command chief to put airmen in situations where they're operating with their joint partners. So uh, I think a lot of the our development is how we raise our airmen because I think sometimes people think professional development, they think of course. Absolutely got it. Those courses are great. What you're doing here is great. But a lot of my development came from just positions I was at as an MTI, right? I was developed as an MTI. Yes. Uh, number two, I have been hitting the books reading, right? He noticed a common trend starting when I was at CENTCOM. I went to his library and it was full of books. And I asked what he did on the weekend. He's not on social media. You know, he's not on Facebook. Of course, he's looking at the news. He's spending time with his family, but he reads. Every four-star I talk to reads. Hmm. General Mattis talks about call sign chaos if you're not reading so many books a year that you're illiterate. What do you think Bill Gates and Warren Buffett do? They read books. So I read. I've been encouraging people to read. You will learn so much. At 18th Air Force, we, you know, Chief Bass has a great reading program. General Brown has a great reading program. We took it a step up. We're finding that a lot of our airmen are not familiar with the action orders. They're not familiar with the doctrine that guide us. And as leaders, how can we tell our airmen to do things that we're not even sure of? And I'm getting feedback from our leaders, I mean, our airmen a lot, that our leaders don't know the action orders. I mean, the chief even told me that our our leaders don't know our action orders. So we're really, we put out, you know, just some different things that go above and beyond. And the reads are not hard. They're like 150 pages total. But, man, I think reading is there. And, hey, I don't have time for that, chief. You know, I go home. Well, what what are you looking at? What are you watching? Are you watching reality shows? Are you on Facebook the whole time? But I, I really think reading takes us to the next level. Long answer, but I'm really fired up about our joint development and, and reading. Awesome. Speaking of reading, do you have any suggestions 
our listeners should read? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. There's some books that I've read recently that's really stood out with me. Uh, no Time for Spectators by General Dempsey was fantastic. Call Sign Chaos from General Mattis was also fantastic. And I think that goes a little bit. He talks about degraded calm for this high-end fight. You know, we talk a lot about with the high-end fight coming up, what that looks like with degraded sure. calm. Hopefully it's a fight we never have to fight. But General Mattis talks about when he was a Mew commander, how he was able to communicate on the battlefield. And when there was limited communication, his commanders were able to succeed at the brigade level because they had his intent training. So that really it was a great book on leadership. A book I just recently read was the Afghanistan Papers. It was basically lessons learned from Afghanistan through uh, lesson learned interviews. Really talked about some eye-opening things that we could have done in Afghanistan. So uh, reading that book, that led me on to Ghost Wars right now, which talks about the lead-up from the Soviet War all the way up to Afghanistan. So I'm sort of on the Afghanistan trip now. But I, I just love reading. I take my little blue Kindle. I don't even know if I can say Kindle if I'm propping Kindle on here, but I'm uh, you're good. I, I'm, I'm always <laughs> taking that little blue book with me, and I'm reading everywhere. So that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm into now. Awesome. We expect our airmen. You know, we have our three levels. We have our five levels, seven levels, and we all always expect them to be learning something new. Our three levels should be working at getting their five level, five level, seven level, and then someday hopefully a nine level. What are you learning as someone who's kind of at the top? How do you still keep your brain active minus reading, of course? Well, one of the things I'm pushing with our command chiefs is is to have more of an operational mindset. Sure. Uh, our command chiefs are doing great things, but I think over the years, if, we, if we're not careful, we can become professional cheerleaders on the sideline. We're great at taking care of airmen's problems, but when it comes to the mission, I've noticed as the command chief level, and we've come a long way on this, that we sort of shy from the mission. So one of the things I've been really focused on in command chiefs, and, and even with our squadron uh, SELs, is to be thinking operational. Sure. How do I fit into the big picture? So how do I push myself? You know, I'm not currently in trying to get further degrees. And I'll be honest, I got two associate's degrees, uh, CCAFs. If I had one regret, when I was a staff sergeant, I wasn't married, I would have went to the next level. Sure. Right. So where am I at now? I'm now I have 11 year old, nine year old and a seven year old. And I'm on a road a lot traveling. So when I'm back, I'm devoting my time to that. Sure. Whereas I could be getting a degree. But you know whose fault it's not? It's not the Air Force's fault. It's Chad Bickley's fault. So that's where I'm at. I own that. But what am I doing from the professional perspective? I think what I will do is I, I, I'll read a lot of strategic guidance. Right. So I was at a commander's call one day. And somebody asked a question about the Europe theater. This is prior to Russia. And I was able to answer that question. I don't know all of it, but I was familiar with it. And one of the command chiefs was there. He's like, how do, you, how do you know that, Chad? Tell me. And I said, look, I learned this by being at CENTCOM as I watched the combatant commands do Senate testimony. Sure. Where they get up in front of the Senate and they get grilled on everything for their AOR. So what I would do is, is I, would, I would pull up YouTube. I would listen to, and people are like, man, Chief Bickley's too hardcore and ate up. But, uh, you know, he's shining his shoes and reciting Air Force Creed every night. But I would listen to the Indo-PACOM testimony. I would listen to the SITCOM testimony. I would listen to the, the Europe testimony. And it got me up to speed on what was going on because I really think as a, as a strategic leader, I need to understand this. So that's really where I'm pushing myself at is reading a little bit of the doctrine or digging into more of stuff that can help me to 
because I'm talking a big game. I got to back it up. Sure. Right. I got to, I got to come to the table and I don't know anything and uh, everything, excuse me. And I'm not going to be the expert, but the basics of it for sure. No. And we appreciate that. We know sometimes we have people that think they know what's going on and it's okay that they don't as long as they're willing to admit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That transparency and accountability. Took my pitch line of transparency. So. <laughs> I've been asking a lot of people this question, and if you don't feel comfortable, of course, we can edit it out. But have you ever gone through kind of a challenging time? That It doesn't have to be Air Force, or if you want to share an Air Force-related story, or just a chance that, or a time that you maybe just kind of went through something. We kind of try on this show to make sure that people know even our leadership is human and that we all go through hard times and how we bounce back. Well, you know, we all go through challenging times. I, I think what I would talk to you about is, is I don't know if this was necessarily a challenging time, but as resonated with Airmen is uh, at a recent base visit last year, uh, a team took me to, was at Dover, took me to Air Force Mortuary Affairs Office. Yes, one of the most resilient organizations in our Air Force. And I never thought once about going in there because on these visits, it's back to back to back. So sometimes yes. I don't think a lot what's next. And I went in there and I looked at, there was no bodies on site. And I looked at three mannequins and one of the mannequins in the middle tripped me and caused me to have a lot of thoughts in my mind. It wasn't thoughts about hurting myself. It wasn't thoughts about other than it brought back memories unpleasant memories sure and they showed me other things in there and, and you know my time in Iraq that could have very well been my family in there looking at books and said dad's not coming home right and it just did not sit well with me and I've seen a lot of stuff I've seen you know I've, I've poked my head in the hospital at roll three when I was at Kandahar and saw some bodies not, not nice I've seen multiple suicides, you know, had rockets go off by me, been shot at. I've seen a lot of things in my time, and I feel like I'm hard up here, a hard warrior, because we associate mental health to weakness. Yes, sir. And so when I got to the hotel, they were getting ready to take me out that night to have dinner, and I told them I need to take a knee. And it shocked them because, I mean, you see my few minutes here, I'm pretty gun-ho and ate up and hoorah, but... They weren't used to me seeing me like that. And I just, I need to take a knee. I saw some things, you know, when we went to AFMAC, that's the mental examiner office. I thought about people that I've known were killed in line of duty and went through there. And it really just, it really hit me hard. But what hit me more was that one of the airmen there heard me say, I just need to take a knee for a while and said, if the 18th Air Force Command Chief can say that, why can't I say that? And what happened? Did I go to my room? Did they put handcuffs on me? Did they give me a bunch of medication? Did they call the chaplain? Did they post the door guard? No, I went upstairs and I caught, talked to my family for 30 minutes. I went out and visited people on night shift. But uh, mental, you know, that's, that's, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but what has stood out is I've told that story at every base. Yes, sir. And after all calls, there's always been two or three people up talking to me in General Bibb that have been in tears. I had one airman in Charleston say, look, Chief, you told you told that story on your first visit. And I came back for three visits later, and he said, just so you know, I was thinking about killing myself that day. And you told that story, and it resonated with me. So I, I, I don't use that as a significant challenge in my life, but what I learned from this is our airmen, I go back to that word, transparency. Our airmen saw a leader get up in front of them and said, I've been to 
health appointments. I've been to see the chaplain. I've been to see him black. And I'm standing here right now. And it gives them hope. Anytime as leaders that we can share our vulnerabilities in front of our airmen, it really resonates with them. They say, if he can do that, why can I not do that? I've gotten so much feedback on that. People say, thanks for sharing that story. And I don't think it's a very powerful story, but our airmen do. So I don't know if that's necessarily the, where you were looking for, but that's a challenge that I've had over the last couple months. We all have challenges. We have challenges, family health, sickness, things we did professionally. I could be here for days telling you things where I should have kept my mouth shut, should have went left when I should have went right, and just said things I shouldn't have said or something. And, you know, we all learn from that. But uh, it stings. At the time, will heal all. For some, it's two weeks. For some, it could be two years. It could be 20 years. Eventually, time will heal us. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that's exactly why I ask these questions, is hopefully it resonates with at least one person that's listening Absolutely. and they know that it's okay. Our airmen, bottom line, need to hear the thing that keeps me up. We've lost a lot of airmen, right? Caused me to tear up. We fortunately lost some airmen this week. We had a save this week. And I called the first sergeants. I typically try to call first sergeants afterwards and just say, hey, you know, you're doing great things. Process your thoughts. But, man, we have got to get to a point where we can say it's all right to take a knee. You know, we talk about General Bibb said he's never pulled a security clearance for mental health, Right. If I can go and seek health treatment and can be the 18th Air Force Command Chief, why can't others? And you know what? If we have to take some drastic action, then, and it's for the better of our airmen, I'm all for it. Yes, sir. If we have to pull security clearance to keep an airman from dying, I'm all for it. It just doesn't happen as much as people think it is. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, thank you again for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Happy to. Is there anything you'd kind of like to share, or is there anything on your mind before we kind of... Yes. Uh, the last thing I'll share is, is I, I, I really think that we're at a point in time in our Air Force where we need to have a change of thinking. Yes, Matter of fact, I'm giving a brief here. I've given it several bases, gotten good feedback, is uh, we're at a critical juncture in our, our, our Air Force, and, and General Brown and Chief Bass are definitely pushed us in the right direction. I love the Accelerate Changer loose. Yes, sir. Chief's all over it. He's nailed it. At AMC, General Minahan is just, he's, he's got it in afterburner, and we're really getting after the pacing threats. I think where we're at is, his back after 9-11, I think there was a change in our thinking as well, is when we started doing these in lieu of missions, and we were putting people who were not typically in harm's way in harm's way, right? Yes, sir. They may have been driving a bus in the flight line, delivering an air crew one day, and the next day, we're telling them they're going to Fort Bliss to get, you know, four or five weeks of combat training to drive convoys Bob's Bob blank to Bob blank. And I really think it was a cultural shift. So I'm just telling people what we have to do is we have to train for this. We can't get better for not training. We got to be better for the high invite. Our equipment with our ABMS, that's our, you know, pushing forward on this. If we don't get better at it, we're not setting our crews up for success. We can't get there quick enough. We have to train the way we fight and fight the way we train. We have to exercises have to start in the red. What I mean by the red is we have to come out of the chute. Uh, who knows? Well, you know, some will say that war's already been declared and a shot hasn't been shot because fired because we've had cyber attacks and stuff of that nature. And that's the kind of stuff that we haven't had to deal with in the past. We haven't had to deal with air forces that were up in the air with us. We've dominated the air. So this is just a time of thinking that I think we're at right now. And so I'm really talking about this message. Know our jobs. Be ready. The best way in the professional arms. We talk about taking care of airmen. 
We think putting our arm around them. We think about giving them a hug. We think about making sure they're fed, making sure they've got good housing. All that's important. But in the profession of arms, the ultimate way we can take care of an airman is to make sure they're cha- trained, equipped, and organized and resilient to go to combat and come back from their family. And that's what me and General Bid really take seriously. So we got to make sure we're getting that out of the ballpark. We got to learn our mistakes in peace versus war. And so at AMC and 18th Air Force, we are full steam ahead of train the way we fight and fight the way we train, right? And so some of our exercises we're at, we exercise albacore, we do with uh, some of our wings where they go out and they're practicing, you know, uh, no sound, no lights, and they're able to refuel the Pacific. So we're really pushing this, but we can't get there quick enough. That's sort of the message I'm trying to drive home. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. We have incorporated a call into a lot of our briefings here with FTAC and all of our professional enhancements because we know we know we have to be prepared and we know that it's a war that we haven't had to fight yet. It's going to be completely different. And we know that no one probably can be 100 percent. Not that they can't be prepared, but they're not. No one really knows how at what level to expect things. Right. So, you without the, scaring you, them. You hit the nail on the head. This is a war we haven't fought. And it's where I hope we don't have to fight. Yes, sir. Right? You know, none of us want to see anybody, nobody, the Russian, no, nobody wants to see anybody die. But we, we, we got to be ready and we got to be on our toes. And I, and I think we are. And you're seeing a lot of this through your bases. I mean, take example here. We're, we're having intel briefings for our newcomers. Yes, right? Our first sergeant councils for years never got intel briefs. They're, they're huh. striving for it. You know, our top three, I'm going with Scott next week to have, give this same briefing on, you know, where we're at now, where we need to be, and given today here at, at, at Fairchild. So yes, I think we're I think we're catching up, but we can't get there quick enough. Yes, sir. Chief, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. Uh, for everybody else listening, you guys have a fantastic day. That's another episode. If you guys want to be on the podcast or know someone who might want to or possibly have an idea for a podcast, please have them reach out. They can hit me up at 92-FOXTROT-SIERRA-SIERRA. Dot Foxtrot Sierra Delta Papa dot Fairchild Charlie Alpha Alpha at us.af.mil. And until next time, you guys have a spectacular day.